Good morning. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of Branding Bud Consulting Group, the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm joined by my co-host, Adriana Hemans, the director of marketing at Green Meadows and my best cannabis friend. Hi, Adriana. How are you today? Hi, David. Thank you for that intro. Um, and I want to say for anyone who noticed that we're starting just a few minutes late, sorry for that. And thank you for waiting patiently on the events page for us to get started. Appreciate you. Yes. Technology doesn't always work, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it will for the next few minutes. Yep. We have 45 minutes and we're going to pack it full of exciting topics. And as always, we encourage people to participate. Join us in the conversation. Um, say hi in the chat. Let us know where you're coming from. Let us know how your summer's going. We want to hear from you and we want to learn from you. And this is all about community. So, so join us. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's amazing. We were gone for one week and I'm excited to be back here. We've got a really amazing show today. Um, today we're going, going to be chatting with Bob Patton. Bob Patton is the grandson of General George Patton. And we'll, he's also the co-founder of um, Green Meadows, a vertically integrated cannabis company in Massachusetts. And we are going to cover a number of topics relating to veterans uh, and PTSD and cannabis. So some of the topics we'll be talking about are veterans turning to cannabis as a means of healing? Are there any cannabis brands that focus specifically on veterans' needs? And how do veterans' needs differ from those other consumers that consume cannabis? So I am really excited to chat with Bob and uh, to get his yeah. on uh, on cannabis and veterans. It's going to be a great episode. Something that's really close to my heart, of course, having you know started as a marketing director at Green Meadows and. I knew before that the people who serve veterans and talk about the, the use cases for cannabis with veterans are a small but passionate group. And it, and I'm excited to sort of like bring this into a, a broader conversation with, with people from across the industry. So I think it'll be a really good topic. Yeah. Well, that said, let's bring out Bob Patton. Hello. Hey, Bob. Welcome. Susan, thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for joining Welcome. us. Thanks for having me and to, uh, and to your viewers. Listen, um, I'm really excited to be with you and to talk about a pretty important subject and one that um, I'm, I'm passionate about and interested of, of learning about and telling whatever little I know about it to whoever will listen. So again, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I already. Uh, let's kick us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, I am. Um, what are you passionate uh, about? Uh, well, I'm. Uh, Got got into got passionate in the cannabis after being passionate about a lot of things uh, early on, and probably made every mistake in the book um, in 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 both large and small ways. But basically, um, after being a writer for a number of years, and I always say I sold just enough books um, to where my agent would return my calls. And um, uh, but in in 2017, um, my father, who had retired as a major general, he was the son of the very famous World War II general. My relation to them, it's an accident of birth, but very proud to, to be related to two George Pattons. Um, but my father in 1980, after retiring, uh, went to his uh, some lands that his father had bought in the 20s and created an organic, sustainable agriculture farm, uh, Green Meadows. And he ran that until he died of Parkinson's in 2004. And then my mother took it over. And then in 2017, we, as a family, decided to move into cannabis. And medical was our initial 
uh, purpose and focus and mission. Uh, we added adult use, which in Massachusetts is what we call recreational cannabis. Massachusetts is where we are operating right now. We are licensed in Connecticut and looking to move out, outward from the border. But we've been in operation now, um, opening our doors um, as a dispensary first in 2020 uh, and vertically integrated, growing organically. Um, we also manufacture vapes and a few other products. Uh, under a Green Meadows brand, and we wholesale around the state. We have a great team. I have four sons, and three of them are in the company, and we all still speak to each other after all the highs and lows that cannabis will take you through. Uh, and again, so we do have a story to tell, but always a lot to learn. And so one of the reasons I love being with folks like you is I learn as much as I, as I offer. Wow, that's amazing. That's um, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I have so many questions. And just before we get into that, I could see we already have people from Tel Aviv and Taipei and Bermuda. So thank you, everybody, for joining. That's pretty awesome that we've got folks from around the world listening. We appreciate that. Um, you know, Bob, your, um, your, your family lineage is, is quite incredible. And um, I'm, I'm guessing it must have been hard for you uh, you know, to make this jump into the cannabis space. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, again, my father had run and, and then my mother after him an organic uh, produce farm, traditional farm with a farm stand on a country road. And uh, he was the real deal. He took off his military uniform and on came, you know, the Carhartt jeans and the John Deere hat. And he was and, you know, farming became something he really was devoted to and particularly sustainable uh, farming because here was this you know, this old soldier, um, uh, more conservative than not, and why would he become so devoted to sustainable agriculture? Well, for whatever reason he did. And when we decided to take it into cannabis, my initial thought uh, as we sat around as a family to say, what do we continue the agriculture farm? Do we do something else? Um, my thought had said, you know, we'll just maybe lease the lands or whatever, but my younger brother and younger sister who work in cannabis, uh, pardon me, in veteran foundation said, what about medical cannabis and its applications, uh, which are still being explored um, in PTSD remedy. Uh, and my first thought was, while I'm all for legalization and all for medical cannabis, I'm not sure the patent family with whatever presuppositions might go with what we're all about um, from a long history of, of military men um, and women. Uh, but I said, maybe. And my elderly mother, God bless her, was at the kitchen table as we were having this conversation. And she said, over my dead body. Uh, but lo and behold, she's still with us at 91 and is our biggest fan and is absolutely tracks the developments in cannabis research, medical cannabis, its applications for seniors, for veterans. Uh, and so after going through what might be the, I could call the initial resistance, both within ourselves and within the community that had presumptions about what the patent family should or should not be about, we've come a long way and we couldn't be prouder of our team and our products, what we do for veterans, um, whether just hiring, um, job training, and of course, making you know great medical cannabis products available to them at whatever discounts we can do within the medical you know, rulings. So again, I couldn't be prouder. Um, if you'd asked me six years ago, would I be here in this business with my sons? I would never have imagined it, but it has been uh, for all of the, the graying of my hair that it has done, it's been a major uh, uh, conquest of, of just moving forward, learning, and, and getting to meet folks like you and all of our team and all of our patients and customers that come in and all the folks that are listening now. Hello out there. You can definitely tell uh, it may have been difficult to get started at first with a little resistance, but now it's such an impassioned group of people and 
um, working with your sons and working with yourself. I get to see sort of that that passion play out in the market, which is really cool. And also the way that uh, some philanthropic efforts that support veterans and support the mission of um, healing healing veterans has has come to light and continues to be supported by Green Meadows. I'm curious to hear, and this is something I think our audience would benefit from too, is how you um, discovered sort of that link between PTS and cannabis. Well, again, it comes, uh, it begins in the in the symptoms themselves, right? When when my brother has done a lot of work with Patent Veterans Project in this, what there can be obviously among veterans, particularly with combat veterans, there can be physical pain, but there within PTS, we don't even like, I don't even like to use the disorder. I just, you know, it's post-traumatic stress. It comes from many sources and within the military and military experience, it comes from that. Um, and we know that it's the primary symptoms are anxiety, trouble in sleeping, insomnia, in other words, and long-term pain. And among other tools that are available, the Veterans Administration makes its its opioids available and, uh, and anti-inflammatories and all the things that pass over the counter, uh, you know, prescriptive. Uh, I've come to really believe, and we in our team and our family, and I know you all share this view, that other tools can go in that toolbox. And cannabis, medical cannabis, may or may not be uh, a panacea, but it should absolutely be part of the possibilities that we can offer veterans who are struggling to find ways to address whatever may be ailing them without becoming debilitated by dependencies on opioids and, and the horrors that we know go with that. So I always think that in life, pardon this huge generalization, we need fellowship and we need purpose and PTSD can inter, can, um, can contradict those and, and be an impediment when you have issues of social isolation and, and pain and lack of sleep and anxiety uh, to get those elements of fellowship with our partners, with our families, with our workmates, with our neighbors, and then purpose. And this enables, I think, talking to people on our team and so many people that I meet in public forums, cannabis for them, not for all, but for them, enables that ability to engage in in fellowship and purpose again those things are not being deflected by the issues that sometimes post-traumatic stress can evoke so that's really where cannabis has has impressed itself to me and again this is from talking to real truly uh, great people on our staff and great people i know that have really um worn the uniform done great things for our country but have have, have suffered from after effects and they have found that Cannabis has enabled them to become clearer in what they need to establish fellowship and to establish purpose. And it just can clear the decks for people then to get on with, with, with living a good life and making great contributions. Absolutely. You know, I'm curious, is Green Meadows focused on veterans and, and seniors? Is it's very much a part of what we do because it was our original mission um, in Massachusetts. You know, we began thinking we'll just carry on as farmers and be cultivators of organic cannabis. But in Massachusetts, in the medical space, uh, companies had to be vertically integrated. So we had to have a dispensary element to what we were doing. So suddenly we were in the retail business. And then as you got into it, the communities wanted us to add adult use and, and we're capitalists. We, we know that's a major part of the business and the clientele. So we added adult use, but we've never lost sight of the fact that we began with the idea, however naive or, or short-sighted it was, we're going to be about helping veterans and that will be our purpose. Couldn't be prouder that that's the top of the list of what we do, but seniors are right there. I'm a senior myself and I'm in so many groups of people that are 
want to come back to cannabis, want to understand what it's about and can bring to them. What are the new applications of it? What do you know? It doesn't have to be smoked. There are other ways to take it. And within that group, we always will stay focused. But then we've added, you know, the um, the larger breadth of, of adult use users and and patients from, uh, you know, with other needs. But it was never far from what we do as a company. And I'm I'm interesting. I'm interested because uh, you know educating uh, is so important in the space, and um, and certainly educating those that are new, you know, to cannabis. Which I'm guessing most military, uh, most veterans are new, as well as most seniors. Can can you talk about the the cause related marketing and the education that that comes along with it? Yes, I often conflate uh, the veterans um, and seniors just because. Um, Often the groups I speak to are Vietnam era veterans who, let's say, are 70 ish and up. And so many of them, like me, refer back to the days of marijuana when it was seeds and stems in a baggie behind the barn. And this was what you had. And suddenly to be in a group and they're saying, oh, you mean you can you don't have to smoke. And I say, no, there are patches, there are tinctures, there are edibles, there are vapes, there are so many different ways, there are beverages, we, you can bring it in, it's tested, it's, uh, it's got sell-by dates, you can understand what's in it, you have really concrete expectations of how it will come onto your body and how it will leave and what kinds of effects you can look for, rather than just sort of potluck, no pun intended, excuse me, about just opening a random baggie and seeing what, what it does to you. So this is something that is a revelation to so many people, of particularly of more of my vintage, but even among younger vets, they they are amazed at the um, the breadth of applications that one can can have with cannabis, and then again, it can be calibrated. You can be a microdose person, which is sort of where I fall, you know, um, and, or you can be someone that needs a little bit more, maybe for for long term pain. But the the legalization has really opened up the the sense of security that one can have by looking at cannabis products now in the legal market. Right. Right. You know, I'm, I'm curious, and I just want to jump back to something you, you, you kind of ripped on earlier for a moment, <clears throat> the, the philanthropic activities of Green Meadows. Would you, would you share a little bit more about that? Well, some of it's just direct in the sense that when you come into a community, it always starts local. We, want, we, we support our, our local veterans council that's in our, our two cities where we are currently operating right now in Massachusetts. But beyond that, um, we have within the Green Meadows line of organic products, we have, I don't like to call it a sub-brand because that sounds sort of sub-quality, but we call it General's Aid. And that was um, more medically oriented, more uh, wellness oriented products. Uh, and we devote 2% of the revenues from that directly to veteran organizations. We particularly support two in Massachusetts. Um, one is a Stop Soldier Suicide based in Worcester, and the other is the Black Veterans Project. Um, and this is just an obligation that we feel we have to do. Uh, often people speak to me, oh, Bob Patton, you have the last name. You must have been a, a soldier and an officer or whatever it might be. And I say, no, I, I have not worn the uniform. It's in our DNA. But I will always want to know what can we do for the veteran community. And as I just mentioned, the seniors and then going outward to that to all to all age groups, you know, 21 and up, of course. But we really try to be direct supporters in a philanthropic way, but then also hiring job training, um, and sharing. This is something we were helped as a company, larger companies, people much more established uh, in, in the industry 
helped us out, helped us answer some questions, literally about how to set up the business, what kinds of, you know, vendors you might you look for, what sort of marketing campaigns, uh, so your expertise we might look for. And that paying forward is something we try to do as well. I mean, we're, we're just out of the crib ourselves as a company, you know, staggering along as a little toddler, but we try to help other new companies that come along. It is competitive. We do want to succeed, but people were kind to us in the industry, and I've tried to keep that ethic going with us. A friend of ours, Angela Pye, likes to call it co-opetition, where we're competing, but we're also cooperating. And that's one of the things I love about the cannabis industry. It's something, if I could just uh, mention, Adriana, it, it's one of the most interesting things to me within this industry of cannabis as I've gotten into it. And my son's much more business chops than I. As I said, I've been, uh, after I left journalism, I got into commercial real estate for a while, and then I got into to writing books, fictions, and histories and whatnot. Again, sell just enough to where, um, you know, somebody answers my phone calls. But within that, my son's able to bring what they had learned in the corporate world to cannabis, uh, to bring the two together in how you run your company, how you interact with your team, how you interact with patients and customers, bringing together the corporate necessities of regulation and quality control with weed. It's cannabis, it's medical, but it's also weed and fun. How do you bring the two together in a responsible way? And it's been by far the most challenging and the most interesting thing that we do as a company that I've found in this experience that I've taken home with me is what's made it really valuable to me is seeing how this hybrid is created of cannabis, the outlaw culture, the controversies that go with it for decades. And now it's a business. And in some cases, it's big business. And getting back to veterans and medical, it's the same way. Instead of it's you're, you're, you know, somebody's passing something to a, fr a friend who's a vet and say, hey, give this a go. This might work. Now we've got real evidence starting to build up, both anecdotal and, thank God, research is being done now. We're starting to see there are real symptoms that can be addressed with certain strains and certain applications of cannabis. Don't work for everybody. We're not doctors. We don't prescribe. But we can certainly convey to those who ask, men and women of veterans, seniors, anybody, how does this work for my health? How does it work for my wellness? And we can say, this is, people have told us, our customers or the research that we're studying every day says, this might be a good strain to help you sleep tonight, but and not leave you, uh, you know, groggy in the morning. Or this might be something which will give you some real clarity to get your work done, not become so sort of self-isolated that you're not connecting with your family and with your neighbors, but it can give you a little bit of a, of a steady base from which to do the things you need to do in your life. Maybe cannabis will help. So again, it's moving from anecdotal into research. And right now our company and so many companies like us are the, ne the necessary translators of what the product has, can do versus what people are looking for. We can't represent as doctors, but we do know a lot. We ask a lot of questions and we can convey to people, this may help, this may not, but by God, it's worth a shot. Talk to your doctor, talk to your VA, uh, your veteran services officer, uh, but ask about it. It won't hurt your reputation. It's now allowed in the VA to bring it up with your doctors. They can't prescribe yet, but you can bring it up and not make a note of it in your record in some negative way. And these are the baby steps that will, will eventually move this product, this plant into a place where it can be, again, accessed as needed as a possible help to those who are um, in search of a remedy for a particular ailment. And that's, I mean, Maybe steps huge. are better than no steps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's, it's huge, you know, that, that, um, that baby steps are being taken. Um, you know, those, those are really important. And, 
you know, you mentioned, you spoke about research and, you know, moving away from the anecdotal. You know, one of the things we try to do here every week is uh, we have two audience participations um, and we try to use stats and we try to use real numbers. Uh, we work with uh, many different groups. Um, we, we primarily work with Brightfield, who helps us with much of the data. Um, <clears throat> but to that end, why don't we jump to our audience participation? Because I think um, we've got something interesting here, which, which will really sort of put it into perspective. So our question for those that are listening and, and for you, Bob, um, is what percentage of U.S. cannabis consumers relieve symptoms of PTSD, or as you call it, PTS, with cannabis? Um, so is it A, 4%? Is it B, 9%? Is it C, 13% or D, 21%? And so I'm, I'm curious as hopefully the audience will, uh, will join in and, and share. Um, and as they do, uh, I'll ask you, Bob, what, what's your- Let's set, set the stage for a second here. I'm sorry, go ahead, Adriana. Nope, I think she froze a bit, but I, I'll, I'll take it, David. Um... I hate to guess because I'll guess wrong. So I'm going to be a coward here and just say, I think it's a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I can look at the stats that, that are coming across um, among, let's say, veterans. In fact, there was a study. I'm just going to glance down to my left here so I get it right. It was just conducted really days ago. They reported University of Massachusetts and University of Utah worked together uh, with hundreds of vets. And they found that, you know, 30 uh, percent of them use marijuana. Uh, for to displace other medications, uh, 21 percent uh, allow it to use their their, their allow it to defray their opioid use, um, and others use it to replace anti-inflammatory. So these are PTSD symptoms of many types, uh, and insomnia and anxiety, which is a very broad, obviously, definition, uh, are all there. So I'd have to go with the highest number, 21 percent. I could well be wrong, but I I think that um, in my experience. It's the more people that seem to engage with it, they do find it to be um, to be really helpful and to not carry the after effects again of opioids, which can just carry over in so many ways negatively into one's life, uh, either shutting you down uh, or carrying over to the next day or whatever it might be. And obviously addiction is just a horror. Adriana, did you have uh, something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to add that these are self-reported. Uh, people who take this survey may not necessarily be diagnosed with PTS or PTSD, um, but they have stated that they have symptoms that they relieve with cannabis. So just to give you a little context there as you're putting your guess in the chat. <laughs> and it's interesting to see that, you know, our our listeners, our audience is, is really quite all over the place from A all the way through to D. So it's it's interesting. But, you know, it's what, what we're seeing more and more, and, I, and I, I follow the stats not as carefully as you, I'm sure, but I do find and I do read and I do hear from our clients and patients and customers that come through that they really don't differentiate much from the medical wellness and recreational. It really is all melding together in a way, and I think that's extremely healthy because it really is. I mean, one's lifestyle on, on the weekend with family or with your partner watching a movie or whether a concert or whether just enjoying nature outside or whether you're in bed trying to, you know, deal with some phantom pain from, an, from a combat amputation. There's some kind of a continuum between the two and, and, and people are working that out. Uh, and, and wellness seems to be the kind of catch-all phrase. Personal wellness, lifestyle wellness, medical, recreational, 
it's a continuum. And this is the, the really interesting thing about cannabis, that there, there oughtn't be a, def, a, a real split between the two. Of course, there are going to be specifics. I did notice a couple of questions about pediatric cannabis use. And that's something we have had in our facility. They come in with an adult caregiver, 21 and up, with, and then the, the, a, 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 an underage person can come in with them and be received and treated and, and have a private discussion with some of our staff. Um, that's becoming much more, I think, mainstream. I believe, I don't want to get it wrong, but I think that a year or two ago, the government did okay cannabinoids for treatment of pediatric childhood epilepsy. And that's in the FDA playbook now. So there you go. This is, this is maybe the first area where we'll get some legitimacy among the, uh, on that front and carry it forward from there. So pediatric cannabis use, um, it sounds like, a, oh my God, children using cannabis. No, it's medicine and it's regulated and it will be targeted in a proper way. Uh, and again, that's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it is. I, I do like how you've, um, you know, described, you know, this continuum from medical to recreational. I try not to use the word recreational, but, you know, the, the yeah, I'm with the you. truth is it is a spectrum with, you know, therapeutic and wellness sort of falling, falling in the middle. Um, I'm curious. Uh, let's let's see what the answer is, because we're talking around it. So why don't we jump to our next slide? And the answer is. Drum roll, please. 13. 13. So, All right. And again, self-reported. So uh, it, it's interesting to see, you know, how how folks, how much folks like to share. You know, I, that's very mm -hmm. interesting. I'm curious, you you uh, you talk to veterans all the time. I mean, what what's your take? You know, what what are you receiving from them in terms of their their feelings about cannabis, and and even probably more importantly, their openness or willingness to talk about of their cannabis consumption? Um, I think, again, it's, it's partly generational. I think um, in the more recent vintage of veterans, let's say, you know, Iraq war, Afghanistan, and that era, not all served in the war, not all served in combat, but in that era, they're gonna be much more familiar with the new developments in cannabis and the new possibilities and discussions. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, where you really see true interest and, um, and I say this in a positive way, ignorance of where cannabis is today uh, and the studies and the availability among the more senior veterans um, and, their, and their spouses and families, whatever it might be. But when I'm in that group, they really just need to know the fundamentals. They're curious about uh, what are the application methods now? What might I expect? What you mean it's tested? Oh, it's tested. I can actually look at the label as if it was from my Walgreens or CVS. Uh, and this is an, an amazement to them. And uh, uh, you and I might have become completely familiar with it. I'm sure many of our, our viewers same way, but there are many who don't and uh, many, many who don't. And so to begin that fundamentally and say, this is out there, it's being tested now, it's available legally. We are finding, by the way, that when you have legal cannabis in a medical or adult use space in a neighborhood, you will see a natural migration from illegal black market cannabis to uh, legal because people, most people don't want to look over their shoulder uh, and as much as they may like their friendly old dealer, they would rather deal in the legitimate legal market for the advantages of testing and all, even if it comes at a higher price due to taxation. So when we see this happen on a social side and then you see the positives on the medical side and the wellness side, it is, again, these are these are the kinds of trends that, that excite me and, and really that people should be looking for. Never let us forget that it's 21 and up. 
children. You know, these are all really important responsibilities that a company such as ours, anyone has to be in the forefront of maintaining the, the, the proper regulatory barriers and, and, and stopping points to make sure that we keep it out of the wrong hands and make sure it's available to those who are qualified to have it. So that said, um, it's time now, and again, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking to people who believe exactly as I do, it's time now to make this available and to, in a, in a responsible way, uh, whether you're looking for a good time on the weekend or whether you're just to relax and to, to do the things that cannabis can do for all of us and we enjoy it, or, oh, by the way, it may actually help with, with, with a problem you may have. And uh, veterans have, have led the way coming to us and saying, this has really helped me because it's enabled, the word I always got from on our team, I talked to them, we, we're almost 15% of our, of our company, our vets, and they're great. I mean, they're collaborative, they're accountable, wonderful people, and we owe them everything, of course. Uh, but when I talk to them, the, the, the word that comes up is clarity. It enabled them to clear their minds just a little bit from whatever was besetting them, anxiety, lack of sleep, issues of connecting with loved ones, whatever it might be. They, they said it gave them a moment to just clear the air. And that might seem counter to an intoxicant or whatever we want to call the psychoactive effects of cannabis. But if you're dealing with something much more fundamental and um, kind of distracting in, in those kinds of ailments, if cannabis takes those down a notch and lets you see a bit clearly and feel a bit clearly, um, then, then God bless it. Absolutely. And for those people that you mentioned who you talked about uh, uh, form factors that they might not be aware of, so patches or tinctures, what do you see as kind of an entry point for, for those folks who may be new to the category and who are looking for some sort of relief from those ailments? I think edibles um, are the way gummies, of course, are, are, are popular. Um, uh, and, and for myself, again, and I've been very open with this, I, I, I will do a sort of the microdose level of an edible, two and a half, five milligram maybe. And, and again, I'm very open about this. Um, uh, it's, it's enabled me to kind of defray. Some people use it to defray opioids. For me, I was able to was drinking of alcohol. And so it became sort of that, that end of day ceremony for me of putting my feet up, putting the work down. And instead of a big glass of scotch, it might be two and a half milligrams of an indica or something like that, or a five. And if it's a Friday night or whatever, and, um, uh, and just to have that same ceremonial moment of this is my time of repose and co contemplating the day that's passed and, and my evening ahead. So it, whatever it works for people, that's been my experience. Um, I think most people that are interested in on the medical side are not going to want to sort of fire up a pre-roll pre necessarily. So I think beverage and all the different ways that one can microdose. Um, uh, I tell everybody for me uh, uh, of, of my age and vintage, the idea of shooting up and, and having a big blast of THC is not what I'm after. You know, some people might want that and that, that, that initial, you know, great buzz. I like something that comes on a bit slowly, resides with me in a very comfortable way, and then, and then subsides away. And almost as if you don't even feel it come on um, and, and it doesn't interrupt if you're reading or doing some important work or if you're just hanging out and, and shooting the breeze with your friends. Uh, something that doesn't intrude itself. Uh, that's where I particularly like to live with it. Um, but again, it's, it's uh, the beauty of cannabis and all of its permutations now is you can pick your entry point. And rather than picking up a random joint and God knows what's in it, now you can absolutely know how many milligrams you're getting and what probably you can expect of its effects, although they do vary person to person depending on terpenes and such. Right. Absolutely. You know, Bob, I'm curious to get your take on this. Um, within the last couple of weeks, the VA and, and the DOD, the 
Veterans Administration and the Department of Defense, made recommendations for treatment of PSD, while many substances such as psilocybin and ayahuasca received neutral or somewhat positive ratings, cannabis and cannabinoids received a strong negative rating. What's your take on this? I think that's that's a really great question because I've been kind of dismayed and amazed how the psychedelics, the, the mushrooms, the psilocybin have been really from conservative, I would have said conservative communities and conservative forums, including our government, sort of saying, yes, let's let's do this. And, and I'm all for it, of course, um, uh, because, again, it's a tool in the toolbox. Let's add it uh, to the other therapies that are available. But why is cannabis sort of kept in, 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 in sort of a, a sequestered area? Perhaps because um, um, people think it's maybe it'll be more available to the youth or, or whatever it may be. I can't really answer that. Um, but I think that there oughtn't to be that strong a distinction. Psilocybin, the psychedelics and psychiatric care, absolutely, uh, have, have, from all I read, it's just an amazing new window, amazing new therapy, uh, um, an amazing way for, I guess, people to sort of access things that are going on within them, um, that the you know, hallucinogenics have somehow you know, um, uncorked in a positive way. Cannabis can do the same. It's, they're not the same. They shouldn't be treated as the same. But I am a bit amazed that um, that cannabis still has the, the the what we see as a social resistance still in some quarters, and yet psilocybin is 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 quite embraced. And I'm all for it, but I think cannabis uh, should not be um, left uh, left behind. Right, I I agree, and I see Michelle's comment about follow the money and. Uh... Unfortunately, Michelle, I'm as, as skeptical and cynical as you are as well. So um, it's interesting. Uh, someone mentioned to me, yeah. I mean, the, the whenever these days, particularly after all the COVID vaccinations and boosters and all that we've gotten, all the, 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 the mysteries and, you know, the Sturm und Drang that goes with that, pharmaceutical companies are not uninvolved in, in, in this. And when cannabis comes forward and appears to be a remedy, a possible remedy. There may be quarters that don't necessarily want that to happen um, uh, quite as easily as, as other things. So that's that's purely me, um, you know, shooting from the hip here. But I have to believe there are there are resistors out there with a lot of power that want this um, slow walked forward for whatever reason. Um, and again, I'm all for regulation. I'm all for responsibility and not just diving in head first. But this is out there. People are accessing it. Let's um, let's promote it in a positive way. Um, and, and in, in a deliberate way that's not irresponsible and, and not reckless. Mm -hmm. It seems like oh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, right? That that none of us here today might be privy to, mm -hmm. um, but, but hopefully the, the greater good will prevail. I think we have time for, for one quick audience participation before we wrap up uh, in the last few minutes. So let's go ahead and do another quick fun stat. And this one is a little bit off topic, but I think it's still, in, irrelevant as we're talking about form factors, and that is which cannabis product category is most heavily favored by women, meaning women far over index in this category compared to other categories. Uh, is it A, tinctures, B, gummies, C, flower, or D, topicals? And again, this stat came from our friends at Brightfield. They do a uh, quarterly survey of cannabis consumers across the U.S. This one had a sample size of 5,000. Well, I'll throw my two bits in here. I think it's definitely would be an edible, you know, something taken orally. So I'm going to guess um, gummies, possibly tinctures. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. I think Michelle makes a great point, you know, depending depending on age, too, uh, is, is probably something that. Uh, Very much so. 
Yeah. And of course, vapes are, um, you know, that's sort of that, that middle area between, you know, is, is, are you smoking a combustible? No, you're not. It's, it's a different, uh, it's a different application. So vapes can also be part of it. They're not on this particular survey, but that might be something that, uh, uh, that people favor as well. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see the, uh, the audience coming in with, uh, anywhere from B's to A's and D's and, and just quick shout outs to Marco and Jordan and Ali for joining us. Uh, our They're family. making me feel better because I'm trying to guess that I don't want to be wrong, right? And so I'm seeing people are all over the place. So thank, <laughs> so thank all of you for your your, your 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 groping here too, same as me. Thank you. And if anyone hasn't weighed in yet, I'll give you a hint. It's not flour. It's either tinctures, gummies, or topicals. Right. And just to remind everybody, this is about, you know, the balance between men and women across these products and which really skews more toward women or heavily favored by women. So yeah. why don't we, uh, why don't we jump to the, uh, the answer? Topicals. I'll be darned. Okay. Yeah. I've got to get on the horn to our marketing department and our, and our, and our <laughs> topicals out there. Which, by the way, there you um, go. Let, me, yeah. let me mention, we just uh, have added, Adriana knows this well, I've worked with our company. Um, we've introduced a new line within Green Meadows, which is our our, 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 our full company, uh, the Patent Reserve line. And that's our first um, uh, issuance is a CBD uh, topical, a uh, muscle freeze lotion, um, and it's a topical. So uh, hopefully we'll add to this uh, survey and uh, we'll even get, we'll increase that number even more so because it's it's a terrific yeah, new product. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. What a wonderful like way to bring it in. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, you know, um, Bob, I think um, with, with all the states coming online in the on the East Coast, or I shouldn't say all the states, but in the Northeast, um, you know, pretty much New Jersey, New York, and, and, you know, Connecticut, and up to Massachusetts, where you are. Um, how does how does that affect, how do the other states coming online affect your business in Massachusetts? Or, or does it at all? Oh, it definitely does. I mean, initially, um, and, and the stores that even opened in Massachusetts before we did, it became Massachusetts adult use uh, opened up for the first time in just after Thanksgiving of 2018. And we didn't open until 2020. Um, initially, it was the tri-state area, which was New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. Uh, they were just lines around the block. Uh, as those uh, you know, Connecticut is legal now. New Jersey, uh, New York is also getting you know, getting there. They're all having their early rollout difficulties, but they're all legal now. Rhode Island is right on the heels, so it definitely we feel it. Um, uh, and, and Massachusetts feels it. There is Massachusetts is still growing in its overall revenue, but competition is very fierce now among both uh, cultivators and dispensaries. Uh, it's actually the market is is undergoing a, some difficult periods now for business owners because it's it's a classic shakeout. Um, but the other states coming on uh, are uh, definitely affecting it. And um, in all candor, I mean, uh, I support national legalization and all, but I do think for a smaller company like ours, which is trying to grow and produce organically, which is a higher degree of difficulty, uh, it's, it's the fact that it's not legal nationally yet has enabled us in this smaller pond to establish ourselves, how we work um, and how we can produce organic products uh, with sustainable um, you know, methodologies. Um, uh, in a way that's competitive and keep our costs down so we can, in fact, compete with someone who's doing it in a more mass-produced, uh, upscale way. So I'm glad for the fact that it's just state-by-state state right now, although ultimately 
um, when nationalization does occur, and it will occur, they will bring a lot of new um, uh, a new openings in research and in um, and obviously in pricing for the consumer. It'll go down for sure. Um, and hopefully by that time, craft cannabis will have enough of a foothold that it can survive. From your lips to God's ears, uh, Adriana, I hope so. I mean, because we are definitely, you know, we've, we fashioned our, our mission and our, frankly, our, our family's goal on, on all of our team to be able to hold up and say, we do it our way. And um, and we, you know, we, we are proud of our product. They are grown organically. If it has green meadows on it um, and that matters. We think we get a better product. More than things that, aside from THC impact and so much of the early market, as you know, Adriana and everybody, David as well, People in the beginning, they want the most THC for the least amount of money. That's that's was the initial attraction. THC gets you high. Let's get some of that. Now that we understand the cannabinoids so much better in the plant, the terpenes, indica and sativa, those are just generalizations between sort of an, an, an upper and, and, and a more of a depressant. Those things are going to fall away as we become more and more nuanced in what we do. And hopefully Green Meadows and Patent Reserve and um, General's Aid, the third line that we do, will we'll, we'll be able to hold hold its own in a wider mass market um, you know, field. Um, certainly hope we will. We've, we've given it our all and uh, we, we intend to stick around as best we can. That's awesome. Bob, we, we thank you so much for what you do, uh, not only on a daily you know, basis, but but we thank you because you what you bring is also your family lineage. And as the grandson of General George Patton, um, we need more people like you and we need more families like you, like yours, to step up and, and to, you know, defend the plant. Um, so we truly appreciate what you do. Well, count me in. I've, I've again, I started out, I've been in forums where people said I was going to hell and the, the patent, my ancestors were spinning in their graves. And now when they come and see what we do for veterans, for seniors, for patients of all types, and oh, by the way, adult use customers of all ages, grandparents down to someone that turned 21 last week, to see them in our dispensaries and others, shoulder to shoulder, talking about something that they find mutually interesting and mutually beneficial. I stand there in Watson, and I think this is good. This is a good thing, and uh, and I'll stand in any form and make that case, and I'm happy to do it. And if our heritage, such as it is, um, if that makes a difference and surprises people, then I'm I'm happy to uh, to claim that as well. Absolutely. And thank you for joining our forum right here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and, and best of luck to all of you. Take care, thank and to you. everyone out there. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, as usual, I always call this my fastest 45 minutes of my week. I'm sure you feel the same way. It really is. <laughs> so next week, we've got a really great show. Um, we will be chatting on Thursday, July 27th at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST. Um, we'll be chatting with Kurt Kaufman, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Seed Talent. And we'll be chatting about cannabis education and cannabis training. Um, as it relates to professionals in the industry. So we're excited to, uh, to chat about that. That'll be a great show. So definitely follow Branding Bud Live on LinkedIn if you don't already uh, for updates. And we'll be posting links to our next show. And we'll see you next week. That's right. Thank you, everybody. And as always, don't forget to check out Cannabis's Best Kept Secret at BrandingBud.com. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you.